Access is terribly important, not just for this moment. They need to have access to health care all along from the time that child comes into the world until they become an adult. They need to have good foods to eat. They need to have livable wages so that they can afford these things. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome in again, boys and girls. Another fine week of Alabama politics this week with Josh Moon and... And David Person. I actually thought you were going to say, and here's another fine mess you've gotten us into, Mo Brooks. Oh, no, no. Or no, some, no, 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 no not, not me, but I mean like... Oh, oh. Another oh. fine mess that you've gotten us into, Mo Brooks. I thought you were going to say that, but, but I'm with well. you. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if if we started that, we'd have to open every show that way, <laughs> you know. I mean, <laughs> it's at this point, Mo's on quite a roll, baby. Mo's on quite a roll. So that's, uh, yeah, you know, listen, we, we're we're going to have a uh, a very nice show. Uh, Representative Barbara Drummond's going to going to pop in uh, in a few minutes and uh, and hang out with us, talk about the upcoming legislative session and and some of the things that Democrats are going to push uh, during that and criminal justice reform and just where the state is as a whole at this point, which is uh, right in the middle of this dumpster fire nationally that we have. And, uh, you know, it continues on, man. Um, We, uh, I don't, honestly, I don't know what to say anymore. Um, You know, you you look around, you look around at what's taken, taking place and it's just, it's a mess. Well, you know, I think I think what's left to say is that, at the very least, is that we have an unprecedented situation where elected officials, the president of the United States, uh, perhaps several Congress persons, have openly, you know, have openly pursued seditious acts and engaged in seditious acts. I mean, it's it's something that we never thought we would see in the United States of America that we have seen in other places. And, and, and not only openly engaged in seditious acts, but they have actually aided and abetted murder. They've aided and abetted murder of people who are public servants trying to protect, you know, the, the property of the American people, the U.S. Capitol, and also uh, the elected officials uh, uh, who were there in the Capitol, from the vice president, who, you know, is a Republican conservative. I'm not a fan of his. You're not a fan of his. But nobody wanted to see him hung. And these people were talking about hanging him. These people Mm -hmm. were talking about going after Nancy Pelosi, apparently to kill her as well. I mean, this Mm -hmm. this is something... You know, there hasn't even been a movie plot. I don't even think the what what's that guy, um the guy who does the the London has fallen and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're ta- I know you're talking about. I don't even know that his movie plots have gotten this outrageous. And yet here we are. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And 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 the reason uh, that you would not think uh, that they would not get that outrageous is because it's it's fairly outrageous uh, that things got to the point that they did. I mean, who would have imagined that a mob of morons 
could could breach the Capitol in such a way while you know Congress was present uh, there uh, with advanced warning that there was going to be protests all over the place that day. Who would have imagined that they could have so easily gotten inside, given the inside help that they obviously had uh, from Congress people and from uh, some of the Capitol Police officers as well? You know, who would have imagined that they could have done that? And I, honestly, you're right. I mean, we we were within. Uh, I you know it, it's tough to measure just how close we were to to several really, really awful scenes. I mean, if they had managed to locate where, for example, Nancy Pelosi or AOC, uh, can you imagine, uh, you know, what would have, what would have occurred with those, that group of people there? Um, I mean, they, they were rolling him with zip tie handcuffs, you know? Um, so there was obviously some sort of a plan. There was something going on there that they, they were going to do. Uh, it's, um, it, it's unimaginable what took place. And now, you know, we're hearing that that some of the elected officials in that building were aiding these people, uh, giving them maps and, uh, you know, blue, just a, a blueprint, basically, on, on how to carry out, you know, kidnappings of of their elected. You know, the, the I, I just don't I can't even it's to say it out loud seems absurd, but it's what's ha- it, what. That's what happened. Yeah, you know that's exactly what happened. I, I mean, it's you know we didn't we didn't even believe that we didn't you know and I I think this is the thing that that kind of gets all of us is as we were watching it there were a lot of jokes that were made there were a lot of you know I can't believe this is taking place in the Capitol this is ugly scene of these morons stealing podiums and sitting in the speaker's chair and all this but you know now as we've slowly started to dissect a lot of this stuff and we've un- come to understand just the the nastiness of it the beating of police officers that took place i mean they drug the one dude down the steps beating him with flagpoles yeah. uh a cop you know for the you know for the pro police party uh quite a scene wait wait a minute Josh. And, and wait you know, wait blue lives matter baby blue lives matter <laughs> well yeah yeah and cuz that's exactly what i was going to say to the point you're making there is you know i think that scene is is a perfect microcosm of the statement of, of this statement, all that you've heard from Republicans, all of this, the outrage, all of the stuff is bullshit. It's yeah, all bullshit absolutely. meant to absolutely. meant to uh, to improve themselves. You know, to to justify whatever selfish act that they were doing, to justify not caring about black people, to justify their greed, to justify anything, put it whatever they want to do. It was all bullshit. And and Trump's faux patriotism, you know, that he's. He's uh, perpetrated all of these uh, throughout his entire presidency, I think has really been exposed here, not only by, you know, engaging in uh, sedition, in my opinion, by, 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 you know, rallying up these people with all of this, uh, with all of these false allegations about the election and so Mm -hmm. forth. But this, this guy, this president of ours, didn't even have the common decency to do what is customary by lowering the flag and had to half mass after this after this uh this police officer Capitol Hill police officer was killed until he was cajoled into doing it until he was until he was you know I guess berated you know for yep. not doing it and then he finally orders it it lowered it half 
I mean, what kind of madness is that? You know, this, this goes to show you this guy is no patriot. He doesn't care about this country. He doesn't care about its values. What he cares about is his own, you know, quest for power and wealth. And that's on full display. I don't know how anybody can dispute that at this point. I don't either. And, um, you know, and I've, I, but then again, I've never understood how people couldn't see past this con uh, of this guy, you know, and uh, I mean, just the, the whole rah, rah, rah America, you know, stuff that, that he, that he pitches and then completely undermines every American ideal that made the country great to begin with. Uh, you know, I, I just, I mean, from the moment he set foot in office, which I got to say some of the greatest karma that I have ever seen in my life are the same people who cheered the Muslim ban and preventing Muslims from flying into this country. Now themselves being banned at airports. I, I mean, <laughs> the karma in that is so off the charts. I, I just can't, right. it's just, it makes it honestly, it's, it brightens my day to think about that. Um, to think about them crying at airports because they can't get on planes because they're basically domestic terrorists right. at this point who are a threat to their fellow Americans. That's right. And that is 100% who they are. All right. You are a threat to your fellow Americans. And that's all there is. You can call yourself a patriot all day long. You're not. All right. You've fallen for a con man. You've fallen for the American version of Hitler. Uh, stupid Hitler is who you've fallen for mm -hmm. here, okay? And, you know, that's what he's trying to do at this point. And to really, he don't even, and that's the problem. If, if we'd had a smarter, a smarter dictator in waiting uh, here than Trump, we could have had some real issues right now. You know, we could really have some real problems. The problem is, is he's not very smart. And the only reason he's doing any of this is to keep himself out of prison because he knows that's where he's going in a few short months if he doesn't do this because those people in New York are lining up the indictments right now. Well, so, well, 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 you know, I have a certain level of sympathy for the president, Josh, because he's not built for prison. He's really not. <laughs> have you seen him recently? He's not in shape. Uh, you know, I think recently, <laughs> I don't think I need to see him recently to know he's not in shape. <laughs> I mean, he's not built for prison, man. He's going to go into the federal. If he ends up in the federal pen, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a good experience for him. So I, I feel sympathy for him. And what about those bone spurs? How's he going to make it if he's got to, you know, take long walks from, you know, from his cell to the to the, the, the prison commissary or whatever they call it with those bone spurs, man. I've got sympathy for him. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I understand. <laughs> I, I think he'll get by. I think he'll get They'll by. They'll get him some comfy uh, shoes. He'll bribe a guard. He'll be okay. Yeah, he'll get bribe a guard or something. Shoes. He'll be fine. Get him a nice pair yeah, of cushion uh, flip-flops. Maybe that'll help him. Well, man... You know he's gonna have a maga loving guard in that place. Is that's how it's gonna work for him? He'll be getting free stuff all the time, and get extra extra flapjacks at breakfast, baby. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, honestly, it, it's I, it's a shame what's happened. Uh, you is. know, I I said the other day, it's I, I it, as for as much as as has gone on uh, here. I think, I think that what we're going to end up here with is possibly the best case scenario because of what happened last Wednesday. Because before we were going to out 
you know, we're going to oust the, Donald Trump out of the White House and he was going to go out into the private life, maybe go to prison, you know, but have some indictments hanging over his head, maybe some bankruptcy, that sort of thing, maybe. But he was also going to have a steady income source from all this paraphernalia. He was going to be a player in politics going forward. He was going to be the guy, uh, you know, that was uh, the future of the party, you know, or at least one half of it uh, going forward. All that's and a media mogul in jeopardy at best, possibly dead uh, right now because he's been cut off from the world, from all of his social media and media stuff. Uh, his sales stuff has been cut off. Uh, he is basically a pariah to roughly seventy percent of the country, if not higher. Um, he is probably going to be impeached and in, in this case convicted in the Senate. Uh, and if that is the case, he's also probably going to be barred uh, with a second vote uh, there from ever running for public office again. Uh, it's also undermines those awful, awful children of his uh, and, and paints them in a way that they can never be uh, elected to any serious office and do anything. And it pretty much kills Trumpism for the most part. So with what happened last week, we could possibly, if we handle this right and properly, and I believe the Democrats are currently doing that, no matter what everybody says about unity and all that other nonsense, I believe what they are doing is necessary to put an end to this craziness and this insanity and, and just deal with regular, just regular greedy Republicans. Yeah, they absolutely have to. Uh, it's an ugly business, and, and I do think that there's a certain amount of, uh, I'll say there's going to be a certain amount of backlash and complexity to it, but they absolutely have to pursue impeachment. They have to do it because there have to be clear legal consequences for what Trump has done. And this is also the reason I think that the House has to pursue at the very least censure for Mo Brooks and, and possibly some others and, and I even think expulsion for him for the same reason. But, but there have to be legal consequences. There have to be political consequences. It is absolutely imperative. There's no way around it. And, and I'm in the camp of folks who say, uh, while, the, while the House and the Senate have to pursue those things, the White House and the Senate have to absolutely, and, and, and the House where necessary, have to absolutely pursue the Biden agenda, you know? So, and Biden has to stay, I agree with the commentator who I heard say, Biden cannot afford to ever say Trump's name again. He cannot do it. He's got to distance himself completely from that name and from any actions that are going to be pursued uh, against Trump. Um, he, he needs to just move forward with his agenda, which at the top of his agenda needs to be, how do we help save the nation from the COVID crisis that the president created? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with all that. And I'll also say, too, that uh, anyone that they find aided these people coming into that capital needs to be, uh, they need to start the expulsion process for them. And how in the world anybody Anybody in that Congress could not vote for that. I, I would have no idea. Uh, I mean, if you aided those people, gave them maps, gave them tours, gave them, you know, help them in any way, you ought to be the get the hell out of there. Gone. Um, 
And yeah, and, and I agree with you about the other and that the stuff about pardoning Trump, get the hell out of here. Joe Biden doesn't need to worry, doesn't need to pardon Trump or in in any way. Let him take what he has earned because he has definitely earned uh, everything and then get to work very quickly on solving this crisis. Get these vaccines out and give them to people. I mean, for God's sakes, go on a corner somewhere and just start handing out the vaccines to people. Uh, you know, I mean, we are. We're, at this point, I am all for the 65 and older stuff. Just just give them to people, man. If, if we're not doing it, I mean, this it's you know, have you seen the stories of what slowed this down the most were the healthcare workers being unsure about taking the, the, the damn vaccine? Healthcare workers? I mean, I, I just, look, come on, y'all. I mean, really, come on. We got to. Get this thing and get it over with. Get the help to to the people. Uh, get the the extra checks that are coming out. Get the get the help to the small businesses. Get the help to the cities and counties and states. Uh, you know, get that out the door as quickly as you can get it out the door under a Democratic controlled uh, Senate and and House and and White House. And you know, help people and make sure that vaccine is actually being taken and, and ramp up those campaigns to get those people uh, to take the damn thing. I, I, I have friends who are doctors who have taken it and I, and I think that's fine. Uh, but I will say, I understand the hesitancy that anybody has simply because of the fact that the testing period has been truncated and you have to wonder what that, what the implications of that uh, is what the implications are uh, as it relates to uh, whether or not that vaccine is truly ready uh, to, to be of service to, to the nation. And in fact, there are infectious disease experts. I'm not talking about right-wing wackos or left-wing wackos. I'm talking about people that are, that are, well, uh, that are well respected in the field who are saying these things. So I, I think there's an argument to be made for both, but I understand people, whatever choice, I think people have to make their own choices. Whoever chooses to do it now should do it now. Whoever is not comfortable, okay, I say, hey, fine, let them wait. You know, uh, we're still discovering more things. I even read an article today about a man that they, that uh, I think it's George Mason, I think it's George Mason um, uh, University has discovered who has what they call super antibodies in his blood, super antibodies. And so they are seeing uh, his, his, uh, his blood seems to be indicating to the experts that there are even more uh, potent potentials out there in terms of dealing with this, Josh. They say that his antibodies have already uh, killed six different strains of the virus. So, again, I think this that we still got a lot to learn. So I, I don't I personally don't blame people for being hesitant. Well, I think that if you look at um, I, I don't think, you know, there, there were some things in, in the testing process that were that were sped up, but it was not uh, the the safety portions of, of that and the, and the effects on on people. Uh, those portions were roughly kept the same, and you and what were what was weeded out of that was a lot of the 
uh, of the steps that have to go through uh, in, in different areas of that. And so a lot of the testing portions of those things and, and the groups of testing uh, and the way they were able to get those people lined up faster, they didn't have to wait as long in between some of those blocks. But I think that, and, and then again, too, the way that the, the vaccine works within your system, I think it, it limits um, the negative effects that are possible. Uh, on 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 people, and I think you've seen. I think you've seen that for the most part. I mean, we've had a, what a handful of people that have had, and when I say a handful, I mean like five five to ten people uh, that have had allergic reactions to the to the thing. Uh, but you know, I I just think that at this point, yeah, you're right. If you don't want to take it, then don't take it. But you know, I I don't want to hear anything else from you about it. You know what I mean? I don't want to. If you don't want to take it, don't. You know, then. That's, you know, whatever happens from there is on you uh, and and everybody else, you know, line up and get get whatever you can get out of this thing. And let's let's move forward and get this awful period of time the hell away from us uh, as much as we can here. There's uh, a guy that uh, there's a guy uh, and I've been kind of holding out on you. I'll confess. There's a guy that I went to college with, Dr. Milton Brown, who is a world renowned um, specialist in this whole arena. And, and I've been following what Milton has been saying. I'm going to reach out to Milton. I'm going to see if we can get him on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, 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 I would love to talk to him. He's in that camp of, of, uh, of scientists who are, who are questioning. He's not questioning whether or not there needs to be a vaccine and whether or not it needs to be shared. He's all on board with that. But his concerns about this current process, I think, are really... Uh, interesting, and I think people really need to be aware of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start reaching out to Milton, see if we can get him on in the next few weeks. All right, yeah, works for me. Works for me. I, I would, uh, would love to, uh, love to hear from him. So, all right, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's slide out. Uh, come back, uh, get Representative Barbara Drummond in here, talk about the uh, the upcoming uh, Alabama legislative session and uh, what's going on, and and kind of her thoughts about the uh, the state of the world and the state today. So uh, we'll we'll uh, be back in just a minute with uh, Representative Barbara Drummond. All righty, welcome back in to Alabama Politics this week. Uh, right now, we are uh, happy, uh, David and myself are happy to have uh, Representative Barbara Drummond uh, representing the, uh, the fighting 103rd district <laughs> in, uh, down in Mobile. Uh, Representative Drummond, thanks for, uh, for coming in and, and spending a few minutes with us this, uh, this afternoon. I, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity from South Alabama, one of the best part of the state. We got a lot to offer and we sent a lot to Montgomery. <laughs> that is uh, that is definitely true there. I, uh, speaking speaking of Montgomery, and I guess before we really get into uh, uh, into the meat of things here, I, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, just kind of looking at this upcoming legislative session, which I believe uh, begins in just a, a few weeks here, um, or is scheduled to anyway, uh, looking at what the plan, and I use plop, I would put plan in quotation marks, I guess, if I were writing it, um, that they have for this upcoming session, are you comfortable uh, going up for that? Uh, or do you feel like it's going to be okay? Well, I, I think I would be a little bit dishonest if I tell you I did not have any concerns because I, I, I will go to my 19th funeral on tomorrow. 
of someone that I know personally who has died uh, from COVID. And this young man is 56 years old and uh, no pre-existing illnesses and, and contracted it from his job. But so I, I, I would not be honest if I would sit here and say, oh, I have no fears whatsoever. Yes, I do. Uh, because, you know, that's a very old building and you know what our seating capacity is in the chamber. But I, I, I am hoping and I'm praying and I'm confident in those that are leading us that they have a plan that will actually have us six feet apart. So I will go into the building for session, taking all of the necessary precautions, those that have been set out by CDC and those that have been set out by common sense that my mother raised me with. So I, I, I will I will go in with 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 all of those. And, and if if there is a need where I don't feel like any of those are being exercised, I, I again, my mom raised somebody with a little bit of sense. I know how to remove myself from that situation. But I, I'm very cognitive that our work for the state of Alabama has to be done because there are some very crucial issues that are going to be on our agenda for the 2021 session. And if those are not addressed, we're gonna keep not only kicking a can down the road, but the plague or the virus that you see plaguing our state as well as this country is going to continue to get worse. We've got to make some pretty tough decisions. Well, and I wanna talk about uh, and, and I know David does as well about some of the things that y'all are looking at in the legislative session, but I don't think that we could possibly move past the fact that you just said that you're going to go to your 19th funeral uh, for someone who died from, from COVID uh, here. And, and, and I just want to kind of get your, your, I, I, because I honestly, I'm, I continue to be amazed by the way we have, I don't know if it's if compartmentalized is the right word or uh, or what it is. The way though that we have sort of disregarded the unbelievable uh, loss of life uh, and and effect of this virus. I mean, it is almost a uh, a third or fourth news story at this point every day. Uh, when with four thousand Americans and, and on some days that are dying, uh, you know, we've lost uh, what, over five thousand in this state, or right around five thousand in this state. Exactly. And I I, uh, I can't I I don't understand exactly what it is. But I, what do you think this says? Uh, you know, you going to your 19th funeral, uh, the the effect of this virus on this state and on, particularly on very specific communities within this state. Well, well let me I've actually said back because I, I though we have not we had to come out of session very early as these things happen to me. And these are some very dear, dear, dear people. And as I said, the one on tomorrow, he's 56 years old. A while back, I wrote an op-ed piece for uh, a publication when I heard majority race individuals talking about what they felt were the reasons why this particular virus was plaguing the state of Alabama. There are a number of reasons, but again, I believe that this virus has exposed the skeleton, not only of Alabama, but of the nation, not only in healthcare disparities, income disparities, and then more importantly, education disparities. Uh, when you talk about healthcare, you know, 
we in the House Democratic Caucus, we have pushed, I am now in my second term and it has become a buzzword. And I tell people all the time, I don't care what you call it, but we have got to improve the healthcare system in the state of Alabama for those that are the least. And, and we have not attacked and effectively come up with a solution on it be it the expansion of, of Medicaid or even giving access to those marginalized populations. When you look at the African-American community, which is disproportionately affected by this virus, you look in those communities, they're food deserts. People can't get healthy food. They are poverty-stricken population. People can't get access. When folks tell me about folks who are not working in these communities and they're wanting handouts for social programs, they're so wrong about that. People want an opportunity to have a livable wage so that they can take care of their families. I mean, for me as a legislator, I had a, a, a family come to me because they could not afford health insurance. And all, both of the parents worked, but they worked in frontline jobs. They made very low income and they were trying to determine, do I buy food or do I buy medicine? That should not be a decision that a family has to make. And when you look at the number of the folks in the state of Alabama, that has died as a result of this virus. It, it, people say, well, they have all these, you know, these healthcare issues. Well, all of those things, if you trace them back, it goes back to those marginalized communities not having the opportunities. And, and when I say opportunities for healthcare, for education, and, and, and job opportunities. Nobody wants to sit back. I've never heard anybody who was born in America wake up and say, oh, I love being poor. I love not having access to, to insurance. I love not being able to take care of my family. So when I sit in these meetings and I hear these comments being made, if you provide an opportunity, even to what we're facing right now in the state of Alabama as it relates to criminal justice, you know, right now we're waking up saying we want to attract industry into our state, but we don't have the skilled workforce for those industries. And somebody says, well, wait a minute, we have a prison population and we have a prison problem. All of what we're seeing today are all of the skeletons that are coming out of the state of Alabama's closet because we have not effectively addressed them. And, and today is today. So Representative Drummond, I have to ask you then about the concern that uh, our friend and uh, House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels has raised as himself now a COVID-19 survivor. Uh, Anthony came on this podcast and talked about this extensively, and I know he's been uh, writing about it and being interviewed about it in other arenas. The fact that um, he was he was able to successfully fight COVID only after he went from and I'm just going to just put it all out there because he already has I think um, Huntsville Hospital here in in North Alabama got treatment, uh, but but the treatment was apparently was fairly mild. 
you know, fairly, you know, not really that uh, extensive. Uh, and then, and then he was still so plagued by the symptoms of this of this virus that he went down to UAB and got the the monoclonal antibodies treatment, and that's what he said helped him to really fight off this virus. And Anthony's publicly expressed concerns about the fact that he's not sure that 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 this monoclonal. Uh, this monoclonal antibody treatment is being made available to everybody and that people don't even know to ask for it. And, and of course, when it comes to that sort of question about access to treatment and to, and to, and to cures, unfortunately, especially in the Southern states, but even around the country, we have to then also bring up the question of race and economics. And I think you've already done that. So I want to ask you, have you given any consideration to what Anthony's talking about and, and to what role that this might be playing in the fact that the black community is being disproportionately affected? I, I, I have, and, and I agree, because it goes back to the question of having access. Uh, of those 19 individuals that I talked about, all of them were working class. Some of them were very poor. Some of them were well-educated. But the poor did not have access to health care, not only to health care as it relates to the virus itself, but health care, period, to build a, a stronger body so that you won't have diabetes. You won't have heart The very first individual that died in Mobile, which was a friend of mine, played guitar at a local church, a really good guy, did not have insurance. Uh, access is terribly important, not just for this moment. They need to have access to health care all along from the time that child comes into the world until they become an adult. They need to have good foods to eat. They need to have livable wages so that they can afford these things. So when I say that what Anthony is talking about, Anthony was one of the blessed ones. There are a lot of folks that don't, not only do they not know how to access that, they don't have the knowledge base to be able to access it. So it makes me question again, whether or not we are entering into a situation where we see just another example of how race and and economics create discriminatory or have discriminatory impacts on black people and other people of color. Well, David, I think that we're entering the period and I'm going to be very nice and I could be very tough here, but I'm going to be very nice. I am praying and hoping because I, I, I serve with a lot of good people. Not all are not good, but most part, I think I serve with good people. They know that these skeletons are now being exposed in, in not only in our healthcare system, but in a number of areas. And I know that that perhaps when we go back in session, you will see pieces of legislation that will come down the pipeline to hopefully begin addressing some of these issues. Now you will see. I, I tell folks, I don't ever want to get in anybody's head. I want to get in their heart because 
I go back to the people that I know who have died as a result of this virus. This is in my heart. And I don't ever want to become so jaded that it does not matter. These are real people. These are real families. There's a child out there no longer has a dad for the one I'm going to tomorrow. These are real issues that's facing the state of Alabama. And I want to say the entire country, but I can only speak for Alabama. And it's incumbent upon us to now not only use our brains, but think with our heart to be able to rid our state of this. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm sorry. I, I, it's just, it's really amazing uh, and amazingly awful, I guess, to, to think that we're uh, we're going to go into a session here and you've, you've got to try so hard to get into people's hearts to make sure that people have basic health care and good food to eat and uh, and and a decent education. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it those those seems like the baseline uh, that we could expect uh, in the state. And, and the idea that we're going to go in and we're going to have to, uh, you know, fight like hell to to get those those basic things is really honestly, it's kind of discouraging. Well, I think it's discouraging for our entire country. Uh, but one of the things, like I said, all of this has become very full circle because we've got to look at this next upcoming session, we've got to look hard at education. I mean, that's another thing that the virus has exposed because there are so many communities out there that don't have access to broadband or Wi-Fi. And so those children were already behind and now they're even further behind. And so we've got to look very strongly at how we do our budgeting as it relates to education. I tell folks, in addition to the frontline folks and the law enforcement and the medical people, the other folks who are my sheroes and heroes are our teachers. I mean, I saw this summer, I've seen some more really heroic things that teachers are doing to try to reach children who are marginalized. I mean, I, 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 we get a little community service grant and I had a principal call and said, I don't have enough money for laptops. And, and I've started walking and riding a bike. The principal met me in the park so I could give her money to buy some laptops. And she spent over a month to find the kid to give it to the kid, never, ever seeing the parent. We've got some real issues that we have got to work with in the state of Alabama is making sure that our children are educated. And, and, and after seeing what I've seen with these educators, they've got what they I mean, they, they are the right ones for the job. We've got to give them the resources. And then we've got to make sure that they're rewarded for their efforts so that we get good people to go and educate our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any, anybody, who, anybody who questioned at any point the, uh, the motivation of, of teachers in this state, I think over the last nine to 10 months here, uh, we, we, we've put any question you could have had to rest uh, on those folks. And yeah, and I, I wanted to ask you too, it, do you feel like y'all can get some of this stuff uh, into this session? I mean, some of the bills, I mean, what, what do you feel like are the most important things uh, for y'all to focus on? And, and I mean, do you have any of the stuff pre-filed or ready to go at this point? Well, let me just talk about one of the things that, that I have been working on, and it's bipartisan with a group of people. And I don't say I as being exclusive because I am certainly a team player. 
But I go back to talking about the economics. Uh, right now, we're working on doing a disadvantaged business enterprise into the procurement process for the state of Alabama to make sure that minority businesses have an opportunity to get a piece of the state pie. That means you're giving, I'm not giving anybody anything. We're creating businesses and enterprises and creating jobs. That's one thing that I am going to be focused on because I have learned over my lifetime that, again, nobody wakes up and want to be poor. They just want an opportunity. And I think it's incumbent upon the state uh, to give that opportunity. So that's one focus that you will see those initiatives and bills that will be pre-filed. This one will be pre-filed pretty soon to put language into our procurement policy, I mean, uh, bill, our procurement law that will require them to give those opportunities to minority businesses and setting up a database so that we will know where those businesses are located. So no, no large contractor or organization could come into the state of Alabama and say, well, we don't have any minorities because we don't know where they are. Well, that won't be your excuse anymore because we don't have a database that will clearly you can go to and you can pinpoint where those individuals are. So that's one opportunity. Then the other one that's being tossed around, and I'm, I'll tell you, depending on what it looks like, I'm supportive of it. I want an education lottery. I, I, I think it's needed. I think that we have got to start making education our priority because all of the things that we talked about before, I think that they, they all come from that individual being educated. Again, I go back to my upbringing. My mom used to always tell me we perish for a lack of knowledge. And, and that is so true. So the lottery, all of those from our criminal justice, I was happy to see Cam Ward be placed over to the Department of Correction because it was so tragic. I myself was getting phone calls, people coming up for parole, and they were not do they were not given any paroles over there. None. And now that Cam is over there, he knows, he knows what, what the problems are. He has been at the table coming up with solutions. So I'm hoping that we will see movement over there that will help us to move some of those out of our penal system and start doing more rehabilitation rather than just incarceration. Yeah, that's, that's really, I think you're right. Uh, I have to give him a lot of credit for even though uh, I think his motivations at times were different than say mine as a as a liberal Democrat um, I do believe that 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 he was moving toward the same set of solutions that that many of us on the left were moving toward as well I've, I've got to ask you representative Drummond about about what your expectation is, for next week, uh, we've got, you know, according to the FBI, we've got credible threats that they're going to be armed protesters at all 50 state capitals. So even in red Alabama, where Republicans control, you know, both houses and the, and the, um, and the governor's mansion, we are, and, and where the voting went for Trump. We're still expecting 
to be there to be armed protesters. What kinds of conversations have you and your colleagues had, if any, and what do you expect to happen next week? Well, tragically, we've not had, well, I take that back. I have had one conversation. Uh, I am expecting Joe Biden, and, and, and I'm so proud to say an African-American woman, a sister, uh, to become president and vice president of these United States. Um, as far as Montgomery is concerned, I really am not expecting anything but protests, if, the, if any, because we're so red. Um, I am frightened for some of the battleground states. Uh, and I'm frightened for D.C. right now. I'll be honest with you. I was planning on going up to the inauguration uh, myself and, and, and canceled all of that. But long before, after the president-elect said that everything was going to be virtual. So, you know, I've already signed up to be in a number of the virtual uh, platforms. But I'm expecting, unfortunately, that we're going to see the ugliness of America come out. But I'm also optimistic that with that, you're going to see a, a positive change come about for America. And I think a change that is long overdue uh, because I tell people all the time, the color of America is not going backwards, it's going forward. As somebody who serves in a legislative body, what do you think should happen to Mo Brooks for his incendiary, and I would argue seditious acts related to what happened last Wednesday? It's simple to me. He should, he should resign or be expelled. I really would like to see him resign. Mo Brooks does not speak for the state of Alabama. I serve on what they call Alabama United Committee that was appointed by the governor. And one of the committees is an image committee. And we were working on some initiatives just to show that Alabama of yesterday is no longer like that. And then this happens with Mo Brooks. We're all sitting there saying, you know, no, we take two steps forward and, and he pushes us back 10. It's unconscionable to think that someone who is in a leadership position, a federal leadership position, would, would do what he has done, not only to the country, but especially to the state of Alabama. You know, oftentimes as a legislator, I still get calls from folks thinking that I'm sitting in the middle of a cotton field. That they, that, that they actually get upset to know that I can actually form a sentence because they think that we're all backwards. I, I don't know about you all, but I am tired of that. And that is not the Alabama for tomorrow. And, and so some of us are still working, even though he set us back 10, 10 steps, we're still pushing to go forward. Because there again, you will not change the color of Alabama or this country. We're going to continue to go forward because that's what we, we were built upon. We are a melting pot. And Alabama is certainly indicative of that when you look at the industries that we brought into Alabama. It, you know. Um, uh, there were also, uh, I want to say seven or eight, uh, elected officials in this state in the house, uh, who supported the 
ridiculous election challenges. Uh, wrote letters, signed letters, sent them up there. Uh, has there been any talk of of making sure if if those people aren't punished for that, uh, at least making sure that they don't uh, end up in in uh, leadership positions. They're not chairing any committees. They're not, uh, you know, they're they're not in a in the public eye at least for a little while at, because of their role in helping to set about these events. Well, you know, Josh, um, I, I tell folks that everybody in our federal legislation, with the exception of Representative Terry Sewell and Senator Richard Shelby did not sign on to that madness. So we have some hope there. That, I mean, I think that what has got to happen with those who signed on to overturn the Electoral College is going to happen, have to happen at the ballot box. And, and I think that's where it's, it's, it's got to happen at because uh, those that were in the House who signed on, they didn't say, let's go kick ass. As, as Mo Brooks did. Yeah. They followed yeah, a true. process that was already in place. And, and even though you and I may disagree with that process, at least they followed the process. And that's what this country is built upon, that we ought to be able to disagree, but yet still respect the process. So I'm, I'm less likely to be as harsh with them as I am with Representative Mo Brooks. Yeah, I can respect that. I, you know, I'm. You, you've read my columns. I'm usually a burn it to the ground kind of a guy, scorched earth. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, how I uh, how I like to go. But listen, uh, I, I I'm so appreciative, and, and David is as well of of you taking some time with us to you know to talk about the things coming up, especially in uh, in what has to be a, a rough time going to your nineteenth. Uh, funeral uh, this year for for someone who has passed away from COVID, and um, you know, I, but we we really do appreciate you coming on, and and I would love to do it again sometime. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Well, I, well, I want to I want to thank you all for the opportunity, and and I always have to thank my minority leader for giving me such a long heads up. How about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's great that's a uh, listen uh, representative drone we really do appreciate it and uh and we we will get you back on sometime in the future hopefully in brighter days uh in the future too so that uh but we and i'll this time we'll maybe give you like two or three days notice oh well, that'll okay. be fine let's just keep our country and our prayers and the state of alabama and each other y'all have a wonderful right. day hey, amen Bye -bye. thank you yes ma'am yeah, she is. Uh, she was good. Uh, Representative Drummond was uh, was very good uh, there. At uh, uh, and I mean, can you imagine, man, nineteen funerals? I mean, I can't. I mean, I just I know seven people personally who died of COVID. I think it's seven, seven or eight. Yeah, but nineteen. Yeah, and then she's gone to their funerals too. I mean, that's just crazy. I man. just can't that's imagine just, that. Uh, the disparity in this is, is, I mean, I honestly, I don't think I know. I don't think I know three people who've died. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, and I, you know, hmm. I just, I've not been to a single funeral. Uh, well, I have been to one. I was at one funeral. In fact, I was at one funeral just this, um, this weekend, outdoor graveside. That makes service. two for you then. Uh, well, no, only one funeral that was COVID related. Oh, okay, okay. All right, well then, yeah, the other one was where you thought you had contracted COVID, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah okay. that was that was my cousin. He died of uh, 
the, yeah, my cousin died of a drug addict, uh, something related to drug addiction. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> which was unfortunate, but sure. But yeah, no, this was um, yeah, just this weekend. Uh, Coach James Roddy, someone who I've known for probably 40, 40 years, died of COVID. Um, he was uh, a great man at Oakwood University, um, and just his the the loss is tremendous. Yeah, yeah. that's it's just crazy. That's just crazy. Nineteen, nineteen, man, nineteen. That's all right. Uh, we're we'll uh, we'll slide out. Uh, come back in in a few minutes. Get your right wing nut. Talk about a few other little things uh, around the, the that have happened around the state, and uh, wrap this baby up and send you about your way for the week. Uh, that's uh, out on politics this week. Back in a minute. Hey, just wanted to take a second to uh, thank the AFL-CIO uh, for their support of the podcast here at Alabama Politics this week and really thank them for all that they do for us and for the workers all around uh, Alabama. Uh, the Alabama AFL-CIO, which you can find at alaflcio.com. Again, that's alaflcio.com. Uh, go to their, their website. Uh, they, they do great work uh, at helping you organize, uh, teaching you about the benefits of a union, uh, teaching you about how to, how to go about filing grievances and everything else that goes with, with being a union member. And especially in this time when COVID-19 is so prevalent and, um, you know, a lot of workers are having problems with uh, precautions not necessarily being taken or getting relief uh, that they need because of wage losses and job losses. Go over there to the website, take a look at the reports that are there, take a look at the guidance that they have, uh, utilize some of those, uh, some of the fine people that are working at Alabama AFL-CIO uh, and, and take advantage of, of what a union can bring. Uh, and that's especially true if you're working at a place that does not necessarily have a union. Uh, I think you can read, uh, read all about that with the, uh, with the folks working at Amazon currently uh, in this state. And you can see the benefits that kind of come along with being a union member. Uh, again, that's a A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics this week. Hey, that was... um it's a good interview with uh, with Barry Drummond. If if you know we do say so our own selves. <laughs> here. Uh, well, well, it helps when we have a really smart, uh, you know, well informed uh, person that we're interviewing. It makes not only does it, it does it make for a good interview, it actually makes you and me look smarter than we actually are. And uh, she was great. Representative yeah, Drummond well, I mean, was great. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to make me look smarter than I actually am. <laughs> uh, so that's you know. Yeah, well, I mean that goes for both of us, not just you. You, you and yeah. I are in the same camp. We're in the same. We're two peas in the same pod, as they would say. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think I'm down there. That's uh, uh, you know, but yeah, it was. It was. She was. She was very good. Very. I mean, she. I mean, just the the stories. The uh, the the. Uh, you know, somebody that cares. And that's all that you really want out of your public servants is is you want somebody who goes in. 
and studies issues and and you know even if you disagree with what their solutions are to a point at least if they go in and study them and have a knowledge of those issues uh there you know it's, I, i'll say this it's kind of like what you brought up with cam we don't uh, you know you didn't necessarily think he was approaching it the right way all the time but you knew Cam Ward cared about criminal justice reform. He knew the issues. He knew what was going on there. He was knowledgeable about it. And he was he was taking an approach that he felt was right, even if you disagreed with it. And you can respect that. You know, you don't have to agree with it, but you can respect that. It's idiots like Tuberville and Brooks, you know, I mean, that just socialist Democrats and not, you know, I mean, just shut up. Uh, yeah, but hey, uh, all right. Speaking of Mo Brooks. Uh, there was uh, a big announcement in his district uh, on Wednesday of the new U.S. Space Command, Star Trek, as it were, uh, is come is going to be located uh, initially at Redstone Arsenal and at a facility nearby there uh, in the future after 2023, assuming all the ground tests and all that stuff works out. Uh, but uh, you know, pretty big, uh, pretty big announcement. Going to bring another 1,600 or so jobs to to the Huntsville area that really really needed an influx of jobs. They've really been hurting for new jobs <laughs> in that area of, of late. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, uh, right now, I'm thinking about putting my house up for sale for three million dollars. Uh, yeah, there I'm, you I'm go. Pretty sure I can get it. Yeah, I'm just gonna rent out one room back here for two thousand a month. Uh, I mean, there are no houses here, man. There are none. You, you yeah. look at. You got to pull up a map sometime of available real estate uh, in in uh, the Huntsville, Madison, Decatur areas. Uh, try pulling something up between. Let's say a hundred and fifty thousand and three hundred thousand. I mean, it's a it's a rough market, dude. It is. Uh, our our neighbors put their house up for sale uh, the week before Christmas, and um, huh, with a Trump sign out front, and it went quick. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, uh, but no, it was. Uh, yeah, it it was a. I mean, the week of Christmas and stuff, man. You you're not selling a house in most places that in that. At that time, and I mean, it was gone in three days. They had a de- a full price deal on it in three days. Yeah, I've got a friend who is uh is a, well, I've got several friends who are real estate agents, and they seem to be doing quite well right now. Well, it yes and no. It's it's great. It's great if you can get a deal. I mean, you don't you know you don't even have to leave the house most of the time, and there there's like people flooding you with calls, you know. But the problem is, is there nothing for you to sell? You know, that's that's a big problem. You got real estate agents eating each other out here, you know, because there's uh, there's nothing to sell. There's no there's no market for anything, and. Uh, and it because it's also eating into it on and I, I don't want to get into the whole deal of this here because that wasn't a point of me bringing up Space Command but it's a you know you also have these builders who are building it and they've quickly realized hell we don't need a real estate agent to build you know to sell these things people are over here we can't we can't beat them off with a stick at this point uh, so I mean it uh, you know really it's 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 a tough tough little world for a lot of real estate agents out there unless you're you know. At a at a bigger company, a lot of times, or or have an in with a builder that uh, that have you some some places ready to sell. It's it can be tough. It's not tough work. It's just tough getting yeah. the getting but, the sales. But just uh, but uh, but I guess I I was speaking really to just uh, what I thought your your overarching point was, which is that uh, the housing market right now is very is very robust because 
of, of this um, perceived influx of people or anticipated influx of people. Uh, and, uh, and there does seem to be, at least in some areas, a lot of activity, maybe, maybe not across the board, but I know, but there's one agent I'm thinking of in particular, her husband was telling me, uh, he's, he's a colleague of mine and he was telling me that he said she needs to hire about two or three people just to handle the volume of work that she's got. Nice. Good for her. Good for her. That's a. Yeah, hey, if if that's the case, man, then you know, that's uh, you're living good right now because if you've got the volume, then you've got the buyers. There's no doubt about that. Cause this would, all right. So if they add in this sixteen hundred, that's roughly twelve to fifteen thousand new jobs in the Huntsville area over the course of the last three three to five years. I mean, that's that's a hell of a lot of jobs, man. That's a you know, and all the things that go with it, all the industries to service it. Um, uh, so, but, uh, you know, the Space Command, they, they chose uh, Huntsville over uh, the place in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, those people were very, very unhappy. Uh, and, you know, you look at the story, if the stories are somewhat true, which I don't know ex- 100% how true they are. I know how they were painted, uh, that, you know, they had, the basically, they've been operating that place out of the Colorado uh, area, not, you know, currently. And so they're going to remove it, and they felt like they had given, they had a, you know, a big leg up on this thing by by having it out there, and that uh, the people in the Air Force wanted to keep it there, uh, and they had chosen that location, and then went to Trump, and Trump was like, no, 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 we're going to put it in Huntsville. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it went exactly that way, uh, but it's a nice story if you're in Colorado to say, hey, we didn't lose this corrupt process took it from us. Uh, and, and so I, you know, because the story was that Trump did this because he wanted to make sure the Alabama lawmakers in the house and the Senate were on his side in this impeachment process. Really? You think, you think he needed to do something to get them on his side? Really? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that being the case. Uh, he, uh, I, I think maybe if you wanted to go the other way with it and say, you know, they had, because they had proven to be so loyal to him. That makes a lot partial. more sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot more sense. So what do you, so what do you make of Mo? I mean, pouring cold water on this thing, man. Mo has said that uh, it'll be yanked back, or at least it's conceivable that it could be yanked back by uh, the Biden-Harris administration. Well, I think, as usual, Mo doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, uh, you know, I because, and I'll tell you why, I, I think uh, these these things, there's a lot that go there. That's the other reason why I don't necessarily believe the the Trump story uh, out of this thing. I, I I think that they the Air Force chose this for a variety of reasons, and I think that Huntsville would not have even been on the list if Huntsville was not one of the better locations for this facility. Uh, you know, it wouldn't have you know it would just come down to oh, we're going to put it in Huntsville. All right. It it doesn't it doesn't work like that. All right. And so um, and and after all of this has gone into the, it, you know, the, the process has been played out. If you're going to have Space Force and I'm not sure how serious they're going to be about it. Uh, you know, I I personally think that it was uh, an idiotic idea that was then turned into something that is viable and usable. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's bad for the for the United States to have this. And I think what took place after Trump said he wanted to 
you know, whatever the hell it was, go to Mars or whatever he wanted to do. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that's bad. If you look at what has been produced over the years by NASA out of such projects, you know, out of these, you know, these sort of aspirational projects that we have as a country, I don't think that those are necessarily bad. Uh, you know, do they waste money sometimes? Sure. But what the hell are we going to buy? Another battleship? You know what I mean? I mean, come on. You're, you're not, it's not like we're going to do something good with it. You know? Well, I mean, really. And, 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 and not only are they aspirational, but they have done, I think NASA's done a real good job of making them very valid from a scientific standpoint. They do a lot of experimentation uh, in, in, up in, in space that then results in, you know, real life scientific improvements and commercial applications that we all benefit from. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I don't, I would say overall, even though it is aspirational, I think you're exactly right about that. There's some real tangible uh, benefits that we get out of it. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I did not like the decision from Barack Obama to to kill off the, the space program from NASA. I mean, you know, I, I know it's not 100% accurate to say it that way. I get that. But what, you know, the ending of a lot of that the, those projects, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that. You know, I didn't, I felt like, oh, I felt like we got a lot of good from those projects and, and making it, uh, and I also think it was good to encourage the private sector to get involved with, a, you know, Elon Musk, as crazy as he is, to, to get involved in, in some of these things as well. I think that's fine. That's all great. But uh, I think that, you know, the, the government to have that sort of space exploration role is pretty good. And uh, and I'll say again that Mo is a moron. Um, and, you know, <laughs> which we, we knew that. I mean, you know, we, we don't need to go to space to figure that out. Right, uh, right. We already... Hey, you don't need an economics degree from Duke to figure that out, do you? No, you really don't, or anything else, apparently. Uh, and it's it's appropriate that it's in his district, given that he is already our our own space cadet here. Uh, so it's uh, nice. Uh, it's nice to have that. Uh, I see what but, you did there. And, you know, I like that. I like that. I see what like you did that? there. Like yeah, he can be our mascot, our our little mascot. Uh, I tell you another story too that I wanted to. Uh, to talk about, and we kind of touched on it a little bit in the open, was uh, there was a story that said one in six Alabamians who live in poor communities uh, do not want to get the vaccine. Um, only only 33% said they definitely would get the vaccine. And uh, it, and then the, the others were undecided. So I, I find I, honestly, I find that a little surprising, uh, and, and I'll tell you why. Because most of those communities have been hardest hit by the virus, and so you would suspect that even if there were a mistrust of the government, which I understand, uh, you would think that given the numbers of people who have been, who have died and been so greatly affected by this. That we would that they would be a little more willing to accept some sort of vaccine to end it. Well, you know, Josh, I think the reality is, and, I, and we've talked about this before. Uh, the I think we as a nation underestimate the level of distrust that exists in the black community for this government and for white society. Now, 
that's not to say that all black people or even most black people distrust white people on sight necessarily. Uh, many of us have white ancestors in our family tree. Many of us have white people in our family. Uh, many of us have close friends that are white people. Um, so this is, again, this is not some sweeping indictment of white people, you know. Um, but again, I think the level of distrust is significant. So when you take that, and I think it's fully justified because of slavery, because of Jim Crow and segregation. When you take that and then you compound it, you know, with uh, the realization of the Tuskegee experiment, the forced sterilization of, of, of black women in North Carolina <clears throat> in, the, I think it was the 1970s, and, and, the, and, the, and the body of knowledge that is scientifically verified as it relates to racial bias in healthcare and, um, and, 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 you know, so forth. It just, Josh, to me, it's not a big shocker because I think the suspicion level is high. And as I talk to my friends, um, you know, and, and I, you know, I'm educated. I went to college. I don't have a master's degree, though I did some, some, some master's level work. And I have a lot of friends who do, you know, they're college grads, they're master's level people, people with PhDs and MDs. Everybody's not on board with <clears throat> the idea of just jumping jumping in line immediately to get a vaccine. And I think all of these things that I've talked about are, are factors here. Now, that doesn't mean that we're anti-vaccine, nor does it mean that we are anti-ever getting the COVID-19 vac vaccine. But I think there is a level of, of caution. I would say it's judicious, but you know some may not feel that way. But there's a level of caution, a level of reticence when it comes to being the first ones to jump in line. Let me ask you this. Does it, um, does the fact that, that so many, um, so many vaccines now, you know, are required for, for public school attendance and stuff. And, and the fact that those vaccines have been given out for, you know, for decades now, uh, in, in most cases and, and proven to be, you know, relatively safe, you know, Jenny McCarthy and autism aside. Um, but you know, does that, does that not lessen that to any extent in, in those communities? I don't think it does because again, um, the, the level of suspicion hasn't changed. I mean, the, the, the just the, the level of suspicion and distrust it runs deep. So uh, I think that people look at situations like COVID-19 as uh, uh, probably as, as unusual, meaning, okay, we've all been sort of acclimated to the idea that you got to get vaccinated for measles and polio. You know, that, that's, that's, you know, enough time has elapsed uh, we've seen how that has been applied to the general populace. So the, the, the suspicions that, that, that I think come along with uh, being black in America or a person of color in America, 
are not at the same level as they are with something like this. Now, having said that, Josh, I fully suspect, and in fact, I really hope and pray that within the next, let's just say, decade for sure, that we will be so acclimated to this, all, you know, assuming the best, assuming that, that there really truly is nothing to worry about, or assuming that the things that, that we have legitimate concerns about can be worked out or will be worked out. I, I fully expect that eventually that's where we'll be on this vaccine. Or, 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 or on some vaccine, some kind of COVID-19 vaccine, maybe not, maybe not this specific one or the specific two that are out there, but, but eventually the, the, the idea of being vaccinated for COVID is not going to create fear and trepidation or reticence or, or concern, but we're not there yet. And I think a lot of education needs to be done and, and people need to, again, I think, take seriously the fact that, that the concerns, I'll speak for African-American people, the concerns that many of us have, not all of us, because some, I've got doctor friends who have already taken the vaccine and are, and are actively pushing for, you know, the rest of us to get on board. But I think the reticence that some of us feel is rooted, it's not something that we manufactured, it's not something out of our imagination. I mean, it's based on his, history. And so we've, and, and, you know, so we've got, and not just history, but scientific research that is being done right now. I mean, if I, if I, if I could get Dr. David Williams of Harvard University to come on here right now, and I've interviewed him, I can say this directly, he could talk about the studies that he's done related to racial disparities in healthcare. And, and the bias in, in, quite frankly, the bias that many white doctors have as it relates to the ability of black people to tolerate pain and, and other uh, uh, stereotypical considerations that come into play when they are providing care to black people. This is, all, this is not manufactured. This is documented stuff. No, I, I agree, man. I, and listen, it's, it's, I can't... I can't understand it, but I I don't discount what anybody feels. You know what I mean? I, I can't. I and when I say I don't understand, I'm not saying I don't understand why you feel that way. I'm just saying I don't feel that way, and I understand why I don't. I mean, I've never had those experiences. I've never had that those issues pop up in in my life. You know, and and in my uh, you know the the chain of. Uh, of my ancestors that have never had those sort of issues. And so of course I don't feel the same way, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just a kind of a reminder that, that everybody is, is unique uh, here, you know, and, and people have unique experiences uh, there that, that lead to, to decisions. And, and, and so often, and I'm guilty of it myself, you know, you, you want to put people in a, in a small box that, that easily defines who they are and what they believe. Uh, and, and it's very rarely the case that you can do that. And I mean, I was, you know, reminded again on a smaller scale of, of watching the, uh, the election returns, uh, last Tuesday before last, uh, and watching the splits between the people who voted for David Perdue but didn't vote for Kelly Leffler. And so you had people who were going in and saying, I'm going to vote for that Purdue guy, but then I'm going to vote for the black guy. You know, and I mean, I just, 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? In Georgia, and you're like, what in the hell is that? You know, I mean, well, how could you how could you make that choice? You know, I mean, it just doesn't how could you vote for Raphael Warnock and then David Purdue? You know what I mean? It just doesn't what 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 happened there? Well, so, well, well but, I mean, I would say just a knee jerk reaction to that for me would be, you know, people still have a, lot, a big problem with women as leaders. You know, so they see a woman on the ballot and they just think, well, a man has got to be automatically a better leader. Uh, uh, but a black man in Georgia? You know what I mean? And so no, you, I hear you. you go back I, to the same racial stereotypes of it's things. Strange. You know what I mean? It, it's it, it's yeah. very strange. Yeah. I, uh, and, and not just, not just like, and I don't want to say it just like that, but because you also got to put it in the context of those people were voting for David Perdue. Yeah. So you know they were, you know, red Republicans yeah. there. You know, yeah. they, they were making that choice to consciously vote for a black man over a white lady. And it just, it was like, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, if you had the head explosion yeah. you know, little yeah. or whatever. It's just, you know, I don't, it just kind of it was crazy to me. But, hey, let me ask you this. Are you okay if we on the fly change our right wing note of the week? Because I, I, I thought of this uh, and, and – uh, because we were going to do Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's right. going to introduce articles of impeachment against Joe Biden, and we were going to call her the right wing because she she is legitimately nuts. Okay, yeah. I mean, she is legit nuts. All right, she's crazy. But what I was thinking, and and we can vote this down, and and you have you have the deciding vote here on this. Um, I was thinking maybe our our own homegrown terrorist, uh, Lonnie Kaufman, should be our right wing nut of the week. And and if you don't know Lonnie. Lonnie is our man who was arrested outside of the Capitol building with essentially napalm in the back of his truck um, and had a good and bad guy list with him uh, and was going to do some bad stuff uh, at the Capitol. No, uh, I, no, I agree with you. Let's go with, let's go with Kaufman. I think, I think he absolutely is more of a, of a, of a, what he's done qualifies him for that much more than what, uh, this lady's talking about doing because we both know that that what Taylor is talking about doing it's going straight into the the the, the house. Yeah, and I mean it's you know it's going it's yeah, not going man. anywhere. Yeah, so let, let me let me read just a little bit about our our buddy Mr. Kaufman. Um, uh, uh, Kaufman was one of thirteen individuals charged uh, for actions taken at the at the Capitol. Uh, police discovered eleven. Molotov cocktails and guns in his vehicle. Uh, they also found a blue Motel 6 folder. Because, I mean, really, they'll leave the light on for you there. Uh, containing a good guys and bad guys list. One of the bad guys was a judge. Uh, the list also included Representative Andre Carson, a Democrat, uh, who was one of two Muslims, as was noted in Kaufman's list. Uh, Let's see, uh, Mr. Kaufman also had scribbled the contact information for Senator Ted Cruz uh, and pundits Mark Levin and Sean Hannity on the folder. Uh, He had also written a quote, of course, attributed to Abraham Lincoln at the top of the page. We, the people, are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who would pervert the Constitution. That's our man Lonnie Kaufman, who is uh, who's the right wing nut of the week, and uh, really probably the right wing nut of the year. Uh, really early for that. I know we're only fourteen days in uh, to the year, but uh, I'm 
feel safe in saying there's probably not going to be a bigger right wing nut. There may be some that challenge him, but there's not yeah. going to be a bigger. Yeah, um, because to be clear, his intention was obviously to kill people. Why else would he have mm-hmm. napalm? He, he was going to kill people. That dude, he loaded his truck up with that and drove it to the Capitol. And then just, I mean, look, according to like the arrest reports and stuff, was just pretty nonchalant about the whole thing. Told police it was his truck. Uh, showed him the stuff that was in the back. You know, it was, I, I just, I mean, he was living amongst us, you know, and, and it just, um, yeah, yeah, it was. And it just is a, um, it was a reminder again of the really, like I said at the beginning of the show, the really, really bad things that were going to take place and almost took place at that Capitol. If the people involved in that had been just a tad bit smarter um, and and go back and watch the videos of those people going in and out of those windows, if there had been one trained terrorist there that, that got wind of this and managed to get in with those people, I mean, you, you could have you leveled the place. I mean, really, I mean, with what what they went in with, it, you could have you could have done all sorts of damage. But uh, I don't know, man. Crazy, scary, man. It's very scary. I mean, Crazy. how close how how close to the precipice we were, or could have been, of something extremely horrific. Think of, think about what kind of day it would have been if, at the end of the day. They had found the dead bodies of Vice President Mike Pence, conservative Republican, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, liberal Democrat. My God, what kind of day would it have been? You, and you know, that's what would have, I mean, it would have come pretty close to that if it didn't happen, uh, if they would have found them. Look, you know, I, I don't see. I mean, it, it would have. It, yeah, it's just, I mean, I mean, you look at that crowd, you go back. Yeah. I mean, we we saw what they did to a Capitol Police, uh, a couple of Capitol Police officers. I mean, one they did kill, Mm -hmm. and then one they were trying, apparently, to kill. Uh, One or two, actually. They had the other. Yeah, they had the cat that they were squeezing in the door, too, you know, that were. So, I I mean, mean, why would we we assume that if they had found Pelosi or Pence that they wouldn't have killed them as well? Of course they would have killed them. I know, man. They were already in a murderous rage. And what the hell were you so mad about? That's what I don't understand. I mean, what the, what the hell are all these white people so angry about? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the I don't understand it either. And, I mean, I, I, I understand being angry about policy. I understand even being angry about, you know, certain people being elected over other people. But I don't understand you thinking... And therefore, I want to go out and kill somebody. I don't understand that. I don't. I'll, I'll never get it. I'll never understand it. I'll never. I mean, I'm white. I think we're doing okay. You know. I mean, really. You know, it's like uh, it's like Chris Rock said about the guy in the back doing the dishes. Is his show? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna ride this white thing out. See where it takes me. You know. I mean, really. It's just we have no problems. Nobody's denying us anything. Nobody's. You're well when you have, but see again, I think this goes to the whole phenomenon of white entitlement and privilege and supremacy. 
when you feel like the world is supposed to, the world as you know it is supposed to conform to you and to your desire, to your value system, uh, and when that's not happening, you know, and, 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 you know, I think what it creates is in some people who have this sense of entitlement, they feel that, okay, well, then that means I can just roll up on the Capitol and, uh, you know, beat the hell out of a cop, you know, try to kill a vice president or a speaker of the house, destroy property. And I'm absolutely not supposed to experience any, any consequences. There's some, there's a quote going around of a woman who apparently has taken the position, took the position that um, uh, when she, that, okay, she said, I think she said something like, uh, well, they, they were shooting at us. Why are they shooting at us? We're patriots. They're supposed to only shoot at like Black Lives Matters people. So, I mean, again, if that's yeah. not a sense of white entitlement and privilege, you know, to the extreme, I don't know what is. Well, when you're when you're used to privilege, equality kind of feels like demonstration. That's uh, right. Discrimination. I mean, that's uh, right. You know, and, that's right. And I think that's where we're. I think that's where we are here. All right. I guess uh, we ought to we ought to get ourselves out of here. Uh, All let right, people man. go on about their week. Enjoy their weekend. You know, watch some NFL playoff games. You know, however you like to live your life. That's that's what we encourage. Live a life. You know, be nice to people. Try not to be an asshole. That's, there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. all right. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, Josh Moon and David Person. Right. We're out of here till next time.